0: Jesus Christ, more than just a healer, prophet, and good man, as we'll see next. Join us. To be sure, Jesus healed many. He was indeed a prophet. He could preach and teach like no other. But as we'll see today, continuing our series here in the book of John, he was also judge and life giver. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're continuing our survey of John. We find ourselves in chapter 5, verses 24 through 30, series called Life Forever in Christ. Please join us with today's broadcast of Truth For Today now, our teacher and pastor. Here's Pastor Phil Howard.
1: Imagine you being lame for 38 years, then all of a sudden, some stranger walks into your life and says, walk, and you can walk. Well, uh, he shared with the religious leaders eventually about this great healing. They had one question. When did it take place? When did it take place? And said the Sabbath. They had written 39 different laws on top of Moses' rabbinic tradition of ridiculous nature of what you could do on the Sabbath. And I told you last week, they had a law that if you spit on a rock, that's okay. But if you spit on the ground, that's irrigation. So you had to be careful where you spit on the Sabbath. And some ridiculous things. And so here, this child of Abraham is... Uh, Being uprooted because he dared to get well on the Sabbath. So they go looking for Jesus, come to verse 17, and and Jesus says, hey, my father's been working uh, on the Sabbath for years, and so I work. Now they pick up another offense. You call God your father. And they understood him to be claiming he was equal with God. Now, Christ could have saved himself a lot of hassle if he would have just quickly said, you misunderstand me. No, no, you don't get it. You miss it. He didn't do that. Let me say something to you about this term, son. When we use son uh, in the Western world, we think of procreation, propagation, next in line. But the Semitic use of the word... Usually meant sameness of nature. Sameness of nature. You remember when they said of Christ, you are son of Belial. What are they saying? Uh, Satan and demons don't have baby boys. Saying, you share in the nature of Satan. Satan. You share, even when you remember Saul, when he was upset with Jonathan for being a friend to David, he said, you're the son of a perverse woman. What did he mean by that? You're partaking of the nature of a bad woman. We use the same thing today when we use the explicative and we say you're a son of, and it's usually a bad thing. What we're really saying is, you're as bad as the one I say you're related to. You've got the same nature, the same character. Christ is God, is my Father. Yes, I'm claiming likeness and oneness in essence to the Father. Well, then we begin this remarkable Christological defense of Christ. he is. Now, let me read just to give you the flow. We're going to look at verses 24-30, through but I want you to get the flow from verse 16. So Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but was even calling himself God, his own father, making himself equal with God. This is what he says in John 10, 30. I and my father are one thing. This is what happens in John 19, that they tell Pilate, we kill him not for miracles, but for blasphemy. For he called God his father, making himself equal. Christ happens to be God the Son. He's ever been as much God as the Holy Spirit or the Father. Do you understand that? If you don't, you're not Christian. Unitarians believe in God, but not in a Christ who is deity. Islam believes in Allah, but not in a Son who could be God. Present-day Judaism, right on, believes in God, one God. hero O Israel. We believe in one God, but this Messiah, Jesus claim is not deity. There's the offense. There's the offense. Get, get rid of all this God talk that is absolutely laden with a lot of garbage. Everybody wants to talk about God, but the offense is talking about Jesus Christ. That is where you can get killed. That's where you can get persecuted. Now he goes on. Listen to what he says. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. Uh, Try that. Try to duplicate the father. The father's creating. Christ also involved in creation. Whatever the father can do, the son can do. That's a great claim, remarkable claim. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. The father keeps no secrets from the son. Everything he's about, he has disclosed. He keeps on. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he He is pleased to give it. I'm a life giver. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who honors, he who does not honor the Son, he who honors the Father will honor the Son. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I meet with a man. I believe in God. You do. What do you think of Christ? He's a joke. He's um, uh, an imposter, a false messiah. You can't honor God the Father and call God the Father's word about his son a lie. So all the God talk, demons are full of God talk. They even tremble at the... There are no demons that are atheists. They wish they could believe it. Christ had to hush them up continually about just blowing the disguise and telling the audience, this is the Son of God. And he would command them to be quiet. Now, I want to pick up from verse 24 to 30 four things about Christ that you want to remember. Four things. Number one, he gives. He is the giver of eternal life. Two, He is the only one that can save you from judgment. Three, he will be the appointed judge. And four, he himself will be the source of physical resurrection out of the grave. And that was seen to be the exclusive right of the Father until this passage. Christ himself will begin a resurrection program beginning with himself that will result in the physical resurrection of every man, woman, boy, and girl that has ever existed. This is some claim. Number one, let's look. Christ can give eternal life. Verse 24, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And that is a present tense in the Greek. He is having eternal life. You don't die to get eternal life. You get eternal life the moment you hear the voice of Christ speak to your heart and you believe it. It is evidence that you have already received eternal life. And this life is a present possession that goes on forever. There's a problem, though. How does God find us when he comes to us? Does he find us alive or dead? For you were dead in your sins and your trespasses. Ephesians 2.1. How does a dead man ever hear? How does a dead man ever get to believe? He says in the verse, God does a quickening work. Made alive. Ephesians 2.1. He made you alive who were dead. Verse 5, to 5 he hath he made alive. Titus says, the spirit of God regenerated you. And what does regenerate? It's to make alive, to beget again. And so I understand God gives me the life and the evidence I've got the life is I begin to hear him and I begin to believe him. If he doesn't help the corpse, the corpse can't do anything. And so in salvation, you find that God had to do a work of grace on your heart before you even knew what to believe and what voice to hear, and the work of the Spirit was convicting you, wooing you, drawing you. Uh, we just taught 185 kids at Vacation Bible School, planting the seed planting the seed, and what happens in time, Christ speaks, come to me. And finally you hear it. Finally you get it. My lands, I've been sitting in church ever since I was conceived. And I hated it for 14 years. I like the music. I love my aunts and uncles. And I love my folks. But When you're a criminal, you don't want to go to a police station. And when you're a sinner that doesn't want Christ, you don't want to go to church. Jewish or Gentile. Because I grew up in church, they knew the temperature of hell. Every week. They give you the latest readings. You didn't go there and got pampered. You, this is the 50s, you remember. We used to believe things were absolute then. We we, we couldn't even spell postmodern. Truth was truth. And one thing I got from church, you're guilty, you're lost, and you got it coming. And you don't want Jesus because you got to give up rock and roll girlfriends and you can't get high on aspirin. That's what we used in the 50s. But, but, one week in June of 58, I finally heard the shepherd's voice say something besides, you're condemned. I heard him say, come to me, and I will give you life. Come to me. I'm going to make you my own. Come to me. And who in the world could give me new life? Christ says in verse 24, whoever hears my word, and in John 10, he says, the only ones who ever hear his word are his sheep. My sheep hear me and they follow me. If you claim to be a sheep and you're not following, you are deceived, you're mixed up. Sheep follow the shepherd. They don't take a course on following, they just want to follow. That is just something, we call it the new birth. I get a new set of desires. I get a new uh, sense of direction. God really changes me. It's not I take a membership class, I get dipped in some water, and I start tithing. No, something in me happens when I hear Christ say, come, become my own. Christ has the authority to give you eternal life, and this is a spiritual kind of resurrection. He says, and secondly, he who gets this eternal life Will not be judged, some translated condemned. The idea is to be judged and found guilty. I don't mind being judged as long as I'm not guilty. Have you ever been falsely accused? When I first told my dad I wanted to be a preacher, I was just a kid, I didn't know what I was saying. He knew far more than I did. And he said to me, um, I thought he'd be, I thought he'd throw a party. He wasn't real enthused about it. And uh, he said, well, son, uh, you can make it if you can live with three things. And I said, dad, you haven't said you're glad. He didn't go there. He said, can you live with three things? And I said, what's that? He said, can you live with being falsely accused? I'm only a 15-year-old boy announcing my calling. Falsely accused, misunderstood, and unappreciated and controversial. We'll put that. But he only said three. Can you live with being falsely accused? Well, who'd accuse me? He said, you'll find out. Unappreciated. Misunderstood. My problem is Too many of you have understood what I said, and I said that which made you uncomfortable. But it's terrible to be misunderstood when you're blunt anyway. And that was quite a prophetic thing. But it's another thing to be accused and you're guilty. And nobody knows it but you and God and the party you sinned against. And it's your word against their odds. it's wrong, and under the law, we couldn't even sentence you if we couldn't produce two witnesses. So you might be as guilty as anything else, but if the person that you sinned against or, or who's accusing you can prove their case, or hey, it's a, it's a draw, but Christ said, I am the only one that can keep you from coming to the end of your life and standing before God in court and not find you guilty. And this is the theme of Romans. How do I enter into the courtroom with God under the accusations that I'm a lawbreaker, that I'm a trespasser, that I've sinned in many ways? How can I ever imagine coming before God and God saying, not guilty? Jesus Christ said, if you come to me, will settle the case out of court. For everyone who puts faith in Christ, the judgment and sentence for their sin is past tense. For everyone who does not come to Christ, their judgment is future tense and there won't be any lawyers allowed. You're on your own and by the very fact, you come before the judge who is omniscient and knows everything about us, There's not a chance in a billion you will escape. So you've got a choice. Will I accept what Christ did for me in my stead back here and accept the work of Christ on behalf of us guilty sinners? Or will I say, I will trust myself. I don't need this man. I don't need his offer. And I'll take my chances. He said, come to me. And I will eliminate divine judgment, divine wrath, divine uh, accountability for all that you've done. Let me tell you one of the most remarkable things about being a believer in Yeshua is all my judgment from God is past tense. If you're in a shouting church, you'd shout, you quiet Baptist that's enough to make you shout. That's what Pentecostals got happy over. That you've been talked out of. Your judgment is past. There's no judgment for me in the future. None for you. No condemnation. And condemnation in Romans 8.1 is katakrima. No verdict against you that stands. My folks moved here from El Dorado, Kansas. And let me tell you something about the prairie states. In my folks' day, my early 1900s, uh, they came out here. Uh, They didn't have fire departments in the middle of all those corn fields and wheat fields. They didn't have, guess what they had to learn to do? And they did it from the 1800s on. They learned to backfire. They still do it in the Forest Service. And when those winds were sweeping across Kansas and across those states, they would just learn to backfire. And the only way you could save the house, the only way you could save the farm, is start a fire that would burn into the other one. And pretty soon, sometimes you'd burn off all the place around you. And as the approaching winds and fire came, it would stop at your place because you'd already burn off all the wheat. You'd burn off everything that could burn. Join Christ at the cross and it's burn off ground for the judgment of God has already swept over it. And when you put faith in Jesus Christ, faith in him says, judgment forever is in my past. And when Satan accuses me about my sins, I do what Luther did often. Luther would point to a crucifix in his prayer room and he would say, Satan, there's my sin. Look him up. He bore it, he paid for it, look him up. If there's any underpayment, I charge it to the cross. Are you aware that you'll never come under condemnation? It was weird when I first got saved because I was in groups that being saved was on probation because you never knew if you'd make it. You got saved and then you worried yourself uh, sick because you didn't know if you were gonna lose it or not. That wasn't much of a salvation. It was just my way to a nervous breakdown. I got saved to probation. I thought, well, God, why start with something you already know is a wretched sinner? I I didn't say I could save myself. I didn't say I can keep myself. Now, if you can't do it, why did you sign up? I finally cast my hope on that verse that says, now unto him that's able to keep you. And the him there isn't you, honey. The hymn is outside of you. John 10, I can keep anything I get in my grip. I can keep you. Salvation is not probation. You just live it out because you got the real thing. You know, I don't care what label Christian you happen to grow up around. I don't, I, I've been around all kinds of believers. I went to so many different schools different Mennonites, free will Baptists, uh, regular Baptists, irregular Baptists, uh, you know, it it didn't matter. I've been around all kinds of groups, Pentecostal people. And guess what? The ones who ever met him are still continuing with him in spite of their label and in spite of their theology. Because sheep just follow. They don't get all the labels right. But I'll tell you right now, eternal life makes them follow. Eternal life makes them here. Don't be talking about all your brothers that got a different label. If they're God's sheep, they love the shepherd as much as you. And what made you so smart? You don't know any more about God than what he's pleased to reveal to you. You ought to be humbled that you know so much and you do so little. See, it's all a gift. It's a gift. Now, the third thing he says in here, That, uh, uh, by the way, don't you love this? You won't be condemned. You've crossed over from death to life. I love it. I tell you the truth. A time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That verse has bugged me for years. I just, I struggle with John 5 because right now he's talking about a spiritual resurrection. The time is coming, but there's a resurrection that's happening right now. And what is that? The resurrection of Ephesians 2.1. I am going to change and give eternal life to men right now before the resurrection of the body in the future.
0: Life forever in Jesus Christ. That's the title of our series here in the book of John, and we trust our time together today has encouraged you in Christ as we work our way through this wonderful gospel. It is our hope and prayer that chapter 20 and verse 31 will come to bear on your own heart and mind, that you understand why John wrote what he wrote for the purpose of believing and having life eternal in Christ. To review a copy of today's program, or to obtain the entire series, we would ask you to get in touch with us here at Truth For Today, and there are a couple of ways to do so. You can call us at 855-833-9864, or you can stop by our website, valleybible.org, and take advantage of the resource materials that we have posted there as well. You're also welcome to write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code 94547. And as always, your gifts make a great difference here at the ministry. No matter how large or how small, your financial contributions to this ministry allow us to continue presenting the gospel here on KFAX. As a TFT sustainer, we would also like to pass along your way a quarterly newsletter along with our once-a-year special gift and access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional that we have. Again, these are all just simple ways of saying thank you for supporting us financially, realizing that this broadcast is presented daily here on KFAX through your financial involvement as well as your prayerful support. One other note, as we close out our time together today, we would like to invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. You can find out all of the details and directions at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. We thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure to share God's Word with you. And we look forward to the next time when we can do it again here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.